believe I've got a, a word for you this morning straight from the throne room of God. Amen. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. And we're going to start with verse 1. And I want to talk about an anointing that you may or may not know that you possess, a calling that you possess, a proclamation that you can proclaim over people's lives. In, in this passage of scripture, I was I was in the the hotel room this week and and I opened this and and the Lord just hit me with it like a ton of bricks and I said, oh I've got I've got to preach that and I feel that this morning that it's a word that that, that this that our church needs and and I wanna I wanna talk to you about this. If you have your Bibles, uh, Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, and if you will, please stand with me. And I'm going to read from the book. I have a hard time reading from the board, so if you don't mind, that's just how I'm used to it. Verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath what anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Somebody say, anointed me. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verse 2 says, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Verse 3 says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. Amen. And everybody says amen. And you can be seated. I want to I want to talk to you about this this scripture and uh, and, and and if you go to the, the the gospel of Luke you'll find it later on Jesus he's standing there and we've heard Pastor Lee preach it before it's where uh, Jesus finds himself in the Bible and 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 he's he's standing there and he's getting ready to, to minister and he he opens up the scroll the the, the gospel uh, I mean the book of Isaiah and, and he begins to to quote this and he says the, the Lord has anointed me to preach and and he begins to to go through all those things that that I that I've told you there and, and then and at the end of that scripture it says that he closed the book and and as Marla Fonseca would say he dropped the mic and walked away at that point Jesus found himself right there and he's saying okay it's finished I'm here now I'm here and I've come to save I'm here now I want I want to to, to just stop right there before we get into that when when Jesus was doing that, he he's saying it's it, the, the, that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is here. The buck stops here. He he's the man. He's the one that's going to change the whole scene of things right here. When, when Jesus came, if you look into the book of the Old Testament and and you get down right to the end of the Old Testament, it ends with the curse. But if you flip over to the the, the New Testament, it says and the birth of Jesus was on the wise. That means something was going to change it was bad and now it's going to get good Jesus is coming on the scene and now he finds himself preaching right here and he says all oh, that what you've been looking for is right here I'm standing right here in front of you 
Oh, and then later on we find that Jesus was taken oh, up, up on the hill and he was crucified on the cross. And at the, the time that Jesus was crucified, the veil was rent. And now when the veil was rent and he died on that cross and then he rose up in three days, now we can freely, you and I can freely go unto him whenever we want to and we can talk to him. And not only can we talk to him, oh, he lives inside of our hearts and he's given us a calling and an anointing and a power to change this world if we want to. Oh, my goodness, I wish I could get into all this, but I'm just going to touch a little bit on it. In the Old Testament, you had the, the priest, and the priest interceded for the people and God. They was the mediator. And then you had another office, and the office was king, and the king w- was, was to stand and to, to rule over the people. And in the Old Testament, you couldn't have the king and the priest operate in the same, uh, that, that one person could not operate in both offices. It was just forbidden. You didn't do it. And, and we find in all the kings, there was one king. He, he ruled well. He done great, and his name was Uzziah, and Uzziah done wonderful things. He had great fame. People loved him. Oh, he done everything right. He, he, he was a great Christian. He had all the approval stamps. The board was behind him. Everybody loved Uzziah, and he was the longest-serving king. He done, he done better than anybody else before him, and I can imagine the, the, the stamina that he got as he was being king, and everybody was saying, oh, this is the man. See, there was one to come that would operate as priest, and there was one to come that would operate as king. He could, he could operate, or that person could operate in both offices. They could rule like a king, and not only could they rule like a king, but yet they would minister like a priest, and they would intercede for the people like a priest. But there's not one there on the scene that could do that at, the, at that time. But Uzziah, as he, as he began to, to, to gather fame and as he began to do great things, people started saying, maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the person. Oh, and he, he gets the big head one day and he starts marching to the temple and he's going to go make sacrifices. And the king doesn't do that. And the priest at the time said, hey, king, you don't need to be doing that. You need to stop and and as, as Uzziah turns around to rebuke him, the Lord smites him with leprosy and he gets sick right then. Not only does he give him leprosy, but he waits. I mean, he gives him leprosy all into its final stages just in an instance. That's why it's important to follow the order of God. It's important to follow what God wants to do. See, there was one to come that could operate as king and there's one to come that can operate as priest as well there's going to one come that can rule better than anybody else could rule and then there's going to be one come that can intercede for the people oh in such a way that nobody else has done before oh Uzziah thought it was him but yet no it wasn't Uzziah oh it was hopeless who is this person that could come who is this person that could come oh in Psalms chapter 24 it says who can ascend on the hill that that has a pure heart. Oh, good judgment. Who is this person that could come? We find Jesus on the scene and in, in the Gospel of Luke, and he opens the scroll. And he's the one. Y'all with me today? Jesus is the one that walks out on the scene and he says, I am the one. Oh, and he he when he dies on the cross. He proves himself 
not only king, but as priest as well. And when he comes back, like in the book of Revelations, he, he come as a babe once, but then he's coming back as a king. He's going to come back and he's going to rule. Oh, I'm telling you, church, that, that we serve an awesome God. He, he's coming on the scene and he's going to do great things. He's the one that can operate both offices. He's the one that can do both things. He, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but yet he's the high priest. And we find in, that Isaiah is saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound. Now I said all that about those two offices just to say this. When Jesus died on the cross, not only did he die on the cross, but he in return give us everything that he's got. And he's called us and anointed us that we can be kings and priests just like he is. And he's given us authority to go out and win the lost. Listen, church, if you ever forget and take people out of the equation of ministry, you've missed the whole purpose of what the ministry is. If you forget the lost and you forget people, you have missed the whole purpose of ministry. You have missed the whole calling of God. You've missed his whole will. When you forget the lost, when you forget the drug addict, the drunkard, oh, the, the alcoholic, the, the, oh, the, the woman that's had a child out of wedlock, you forget oh, the, the sex addict, the person that's addicted to pornography. When you leave them out of the equation, you're missing the whole heart of God. You're missing his whole purpose. God loves the lost. I've been in church long enough. We got holier than thou people that never do anything wrong, that never that never mess up, and somebody come walking in the church that smells bad and looks bad. Oh, the church oftentimes, and I'm not talking about this, and but turns them away. Say, you can't come into this church like that. Oh, I believe that I do the fishing and I let God clean them up. I don't try to mess with it. Let them come in here stinking. Let them walk in here being who who they are and what they they don't know any better. Just leave them alone and let God do the work. When you forget people, when, when you take people out of the equation, you, you're missing the whole will of God. You're missing the whole purpose of God. You're missing the whole reason that he died on the cross. And I want to say that to say this. There's people in our lives that each one of us knows that are dying and going to hell and they're not living right. They, 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 they just one step away from eternity, leaving this world and going into a place called hell. And so many times the, the older generation, I've preached this before, the biggest problem that old people have in church is young people. And the biggest problem young people have in church is old people. And we have this big gap in between. And, and nobody's I've seen trying to mend that gap and trying to bring these two together. And I've, seen, I've had a preacher in Tennessee tell me one time, he said, Brother Paul, the young people don't want the gospel anymore. And I thought, Brother, you hadn't been around me. I've I've been in a place two, three hundred teenagers running to the altar. They just need the anointing, and we're going to get to that in a minute. They just need somebody to be real to them. They need somebody to love them. Oh, you don't have to 
uh, uh, compromise and, and accept everything that they, they're doing and because we know that it's wrong. We know that some of the things, and they're disrespectful at times. We know that it's wrong. Oh, but you take somebody that's walking in the anointing. You take somebody that's uh, uh, loving on Jesus just a little bit and following after the heart of God. Oh, you can love somebody straight into holiness. I didn't say you could change them. I said you could lead them and love them and guide them right into a walk with God that they could, oh, they just need it lived before them. The, verse 1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he hath done what? What does it say? Anointed me. Everybody say anointed me to preach. You've got to understand that God has anointed you to preach. And I didn't say you was going to be a pastor or necessarily a preacher. But I'm talking about the people that's broken. I'm talking about the people whose lives are torn all to pieces. He has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. And he has not only called me, but yet he sent me. Somebody say, sent me. To bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to those that are captive. Listen, God is wanting us. Oh, he could do it all by himself, but he's wanting us. He's called me. He's given me an anointing to do it. Not only has he given me an anointing to do it, but yet he sent me to do it. And he said, go and preach to these people that are bound. Preach to the meek. Preach to the ones that are bound up because if you preach to them and you do it under the anointing and you lead them in the right way, oh, God is going to be glorified in all that and you can set them free. Oh, my goodness. Verse 2 says, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Not only has he anointed me to set the captives free, and not only has he anointed me, but he's anointed you to set the captives free, but oh yeah, he's proclaimed the acceptable of the year of the Lord through us to the people that mourn, the people that are brokenhearted. Oh, let me tell you something. Yes, you have got an anointing. You have got an, a calling on your life to preach to the people that are mourning, to bring them out of that desolate situation, that, that hurt, that pain. Oh, my goodness. I told a story last night. I remember one time I went to a funeral. Well, it wasn't a funeral. The, the lady, she was getting, we, we'd known this family for many, many years. Uh, her, her, her whole, their, their whole life was dedicated to the ministry. And, and she was a, a, a younger lady and her name was Cindy Boyd. And Cindy uh, lived in North Carolina. And, and they traveled uh, around for many years playing and singing gospel music. And Cindy was really sick and we knew Cindy was getting ready to leave this world and go into eternity and they asked me to come down and pray and, and I knew that in my spirit Cindy wasn't going to make it and the family knew that Cindy wasn't going to make it and everybody was just more I walked into that room and, and everybody was crying and Cindy was laying there and, and, and at any moment she was getting ready to take her last breath and, and leave this world and go into eternity and there are times and situations as Preachers and ministers and, and, and everybody that's in here, you're going to be in a situation that you might not even find an exact verse in here. Oh, there's verses in here that'll do things. There's verses in here for any situation, but sometimes you don't even know how to pray.
pray, you don't even know where to look to find what you need to, to, to get joy or comfort. And that's kind of where we was at when Cindy was getting ready to leave this world. And I went in there and I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know what to do. I, and, 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 that's been, and I said this last night that when I don't know what to do, I just begin to thank God because I know that he's got more sense than I could ever have. He, he just knows what to do. And I begin to worship him. Oh, and I, I sat down on the edge of Cindy's bed and because I know that God has anointed me. That's not saying that I'm better than anybody else. I'm telling you, he's anointed you. He's called you. And I know that there's something on the inside of me that if I'd let it activate, God can come in a, a mess and begin to work it out. He can take a death and begin to work it out. He can take a, a, an absolute chaotic situation and begin to work it out. And I sit on the end of Cindy's bed and and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to pray. And I just, to myself, I began to thank God. Oh, yeah, you can thank God in a bad situation. Yeah, I've missed God at times and didn't want to thank him for the situation that I was in. But I, I, have, I was sitting there on that bed and I began to thank God. And this song came to my mind. There's a lighthouse on a hillside that overlooks life's seas. I sit on the end of Cindy's bed and I begin to sing that. And when I'm tossed about, he sends out a light. Oh, and he just began to shine that, that light right into that room, right into that dark situation. A light that I might see. <clears throat> I like this part. It's the light that shines in darkness now and will safely lead me home. And if it wasn't for that old lighthouse, I shield, it would sail no more. Oh, I begin to feel the anointing come into the room. In that bad, desolate situation, see, God had given me the anointing to comfort all that mourn right then and there. And I began to sing. I took it a little further. And I thank God for the lighthouse. God, I don't know why we're here, but I thank you for shining your light in this situation. See, I owe my life to him. For Jesus is the lighthouse. And from the rocks of sin, he has shown his light around me. All oh, that I might clearly see in this dark situation, I can clearly see. Because if it wasn't for their lighthouse, oh, where would I be? See, some of you in here, even as I'm singing that, you're feeling the anointing. You're feeling the effects of God begin to touch you. We have an anointing on our life to comfort all that mourn. 
verse 3 says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes. When I begin to read that in the Super 8 motel in Lexington yesterday, oh, I about come unglued. I about just jumped out the window because not only has he has he called me to set them free, not only has he called me to help them when they mourn, but yet he's given me anointing to give them beauty for ashes. That means God has called me to bless people. Listen, when you take out the equation of people in, in God's will, you're missing the whole purpose. Oh, you're missing the whole purpose. What do you mean give them beauty for ashes? You can proclaim to somebody that their life is torn all apart. Their life is miserable. Everything's falling apart and you can look at them just like people has looked at me and says listen, you can make it. Where you're at right now, you don't have to stay here. You don't have to live here all much longer. If you hang on to God, he's going to pull you through. Listen, God has anointed us to give people beauty for ashes. Oh, my Lord. My Lord, I feel so good this morning. I feel like I'm just going to jump over this podium. The, the, the beauty for ashes. Let me tell you something. You start... You want God to bless your life? Let me let me let you in on a little secret. And it's not a secret, but we miss it for some reason. You want God to start blessing your life? You go find somebody, their life's torn all apart, and you begin to minister to them and bless them and tell them no matter where they're at, God still loves them, and if they'll get it right, God will lead them to the right way. You go find people that their lives are torn all apart. You tell them that Jesus loves them. You tell them that, that God wants to restore them, that God loves them, and where they're at, they don't have to stay. You, you start doing that, you start, oh, you better put your boxing gloves on because the devil will fight you, but yet God will in return begin to bless your life. He will begin to, to move you. You go find somebody that's poor and broken, and, and you begin to bless them, and you begin to love them. And you'll watch God move in their life. You'll watch God do great things. Lisa, can you find Psalms 41 for me? Let me tell you something. I'm telling you, you begin to love those people, God will bless your life. I'm going to prove it to you. Blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. I like that. We have an anointing to give people beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise in the spirit of heaviness. That's why when you come into church and you don't want to get up on Sunday morning and you come walking into the house and you don't even want to be here at times because your, your world falling apart, your family's different situations has caused you to be the way you are. Let me tell you something. Just because you feel the way you are doesn't mean that's who you are. <clears throat> Can I say that again? Just because you feel that way does not mean that's who you are. 
I'm going to give you some beauty for ashes this morning. That does not mean that's who you are and you don't always have to be like that. Oh, when you walk up into this place and we begin to sing and when Pastor Lee begins to preach, uh, God can give you that garment of praise uh, for the spirit of heaviness. Somebody say, thank you, God. Oh, for giving me the garment of praise in my spirit of heaviness, even though it looks bad, even though it's awful, even though my life is falling apart. Uh, oh, he gives me the garment of praise. Uh, oh, and I can worship him in the middle of it all. Listen, oh, you begin to love people, God will bless you. You begin to tell, lead people to worship and tell them that, that they don't have to be where they're at, that they can praise their self right out of where they're at. Jordan Myers called me about a year ago and, he, and him and I both going through hard things and he said, I got to tell you something, Brother Paul. He said, you know that I'm going through a lot and I know that you're going through a lot. And he said, this is what the Lord had me to tell you and he said I, and if Jordan Meyer says that you better take it to the bank and Jordan told me he says how about you do this and I do this he said how about we sing our way and praise our way right out of this situation that's what Jordan told me what he was saying under the anointing that God will give me the garment of praise in the spirit of heaviness in the oh let me tell you something I like it I was I, that song glorious day that we sung this morning when I first started learning that I was sitting on my couch and I and and I, I, I I'd heard that song but I'd never really heard that song sometimes we need to not only hear it but we need to hear it you, you know what I'm talking about and that song goes I was buried beneath my shame oh had all kinds of shame who could carry that kind of weight it was my tomb oh I lost it here Till I met you. See, he called my name. He gave me a garment of praise. Oh, in my heaviness. Oh, you, you don't think it works, honey? I know it works. I know God can give you the garment of praise and lead you right out of that mess. And the Bible says this. and He says, in all that God has called us to do all these things to these people, that their lives are broken, their, their lives are torn all apart. God has called us to do all these good things to these people. And I prove to you in Psalms chapter 41 that if we consider these people that God will bless our lives. And I'm going to tell you how he's going to do it. He says this, that these people might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he, that God might be glorified. Let me put it to you in Floyd County terms. You want to be, you want to glorify God? Go get the lost. You want to glorify God? Go get the broken people. There's a reason God wants us to go get these people. There's a purpose as to not not just so they won't go to hell. God God don't want them to go to hell. That's that's the whole purpose of this. He he don't want these people to to slip out of eternity and go into hell. But yet he he's got a purpose for these broken people. And this is where a lot of religious people miss it. Verse 4 begins to change gears and he says and they talking about these broken people, shall build old wastes, and they shall raise up former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. 
I'm going to say that again. Verse 4 says, And they shall build the old wastes, they shall raise up former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of what many generations. Now God has called us and he's anointed us to go after these people. But I believe this, and this is something that's on my heart. Uh, so many religious people says the young people don't want it no more. They say the church is sick. Let me tell you something. There's nothing wrong with God's church. It's still as strong. It's still as powerful as it's ever been. Oh, listen, don't go bashing the church. You'll get me all upset in a minute. You, oh, God, there's nothing wrong with God's church. It's still as powerful. It still heals, don't it, Gail? It's still great. It's still wonderful. Oh, I and proclaim liberty to the captives oh in the church because it still saves it's still doing what it's supposed to be doing the problem is is we don't know what the church can do anymore oh I said we don't know the potential that we have and we sit around on our caboose in the church pew and say oh I wish somebody would come to the church I wish the church would grow I wish this would happen and that would happen no God is telling us to go into all the world and compare them people to come in. Tell them they don't have to be that way. And if we do that, listen, and those people shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up former desolations. Oh, listen, what grandma and grandpa has prayed for, what mama and daddy's prayed for. And some of you are sitting in here and you're looking at your kids and it looks bad. It looks really, they addicted to drugs, they addicted to this and that. And you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and they don't seem like they come into God. I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says in verse 4 there, and they shall build the desolations. Let me tell you something. You be patient and you keep praying. You keep being real. You keep being a part of the church and you watch God begin to bring those people in. You watch God begin to bring your children in. You watch God begin to bring your lost family in. Oh, the Bible says in verse 4, and they shall build the old wastes. Not only, and they shall raise up the former desolations what you've been praying for, what you've believed God for your whole life. You keep believing God for it. It's not over yet. God will use them. They'll get it right. I said they'll get it right. And the God will not only anoint you to lead them to Him, but He will give them an anointing to raise up and build what you've started. Good Lord, have mercy. I feel like I'm going to just explode. And they shall build old wastes. Your grandchildren, your drug-addicted husband, your family, the people that's talked about you, those are the ones God's going to use. And they shall raise up former desolations. We sit around and say, well, what I've worked for is just going to pass away. What I've worked for all these years is just going to die. Uh, it's, it's over with. No, the Bible says you can bear fruit in your old age. I'm preaching to the old people right now. We're going to leave it to what's old to you. I'm not going to put that line there because I don't want to get in trouble. But what you've been praying for, what God put in your heart years ago when you was just a young buck and the visions that God give you and the callings that God give you, and, and you're looking now and you're looking, there's nobody that's going to take this. There's nobody that's going to take the reins and go on with it. 
just hang on. You're still in verse 3. You ain't made it to verse 4 yet. You get torn off it, just say, you're still in verse you still in verse 3. You need, to, you need to jump down to verse 4. And they, the Bible says, and they shall do these things. They shall build the former desolations. Amen. We're going to get it done. We, we've got a calling. Listen, church, don't give up praying for these people. Don't, don't give up on these people that, that are dying and on their way to hell. I know their life looks bad. I know they locked up in prison. I, just be patient and just know that God can do it. Just know that God's simply big enough to handle your family. Know that God's simply big enough to handle this thing called church. Just know that God is simply big enough to handle all these young people that don't know what they're doing. We got girls trying to be boys and boys trying to be girls and all this. They don't even know. The reason they don't know is because there's nobody reaching out to them and telling them, yes, you don't have to be this way. I know you're confused, but listen what the Word says. First First of all, God said that he loves you and he cares about you and he wants to just make your life great. Let me teach you in the word what the Bible says about that. And you can love somebody. I said you can correct somebody in love. I'm gonna, people know when you're real. Listen, if, if you're not living it, don't be, don't, don't be going around. But, but if you're trying your best, I didn't say if you was perfect. I said, if you're being real and you're trying your best, people will know. Your reputation will speak for itself. I said, your reputation will speak for itself. And people will know. Sinner people can spot a fake religious demon a mile away. That's why people tell me all the time, I don't need to go to church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. I love to find people like that. I like to find people that's so mad at God and love their socks plumb off their toes. And then they, they don't know what to do with their self. They don't know how to handle it because... And then they find themselves at an old altar saying, God, look at my life. I don't know how you can do it, but God, save me. You know what? Those people make the best preachers. Those people sing the best. Those people pray harder because they know where God brought them from. And they want some realness. They want somebody to be real to them. And that's your responsibility, church. All you Christians in here, this is our responsibility because the Lord hath anointed you to preach. God has anointed you to do what I'm talking about in here. As Jesus stood in the gospel of Luke, he said, here I am. This is me. And, 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 and what he's doing there is he closed the book and he died on the cross. He in return said, now I'm going to get you to do it. And he's going to do it through us. I said he's going to do it through us. Now is the time to get busy, church. I said now is the time to get busy. You want to know how you're in the will of God? If you, if you look around your life and there ain't nothing but chaos and, and junk going on, you're possibly out of the will of God. But if you look at your life and people is being blessed by the things that you're doing and you're reaching out to the lost, you can identify yourself as doing something for God. I didn't say there wouldn't be any problems in your life. But if people aren't getting blessed by your life, there might be some corrections that you need to make. 
Oh, my goodness. God loves people. He loves the lost. He likes people that are on their way to hell because they make the best preachers. They make the best singers. They make the best Sunday school teachers. They make the best soul winners. We ain't got time for religious devils. We ain't got time for sister do right and brother do right. But we need somebody that goes after the lost and somebody that can say, listen, I know your life's a mess, but you don't have to stay here. You all have got families. You all have got people that are on their way to hell. And you're looking. And even as I'm speaking this morning, you, you're looking at those people in your mind right now. God's bringing them to you. And you're saying, yeah, that one's a lost cause. That one's a lost cause. This one's a lost cause. You're still in verse 3. Verse 4. And they, you can put their name right there shall build the old wasting stuff. And they shall raise up the former things. Can I put that in, in my terms? How God put it in my heart? What grandma had been praying for that grandma thought was over. God's going to use them to anoint them to build it up. And they're going to run with it. In realness and trueness. If we don't teach the next generation... Who will? That's the word. Who will? Who's going to do it? The world? They're not going to teach them. God's called us not only to rule like a king, but to be the priest, to minister, to correct, and to love. You have that anointing. Sarah, will you come? You have that anointing. I love to find lost people. I love to find people whose lives are broken and hurting and tell them God will fix their life and tell them that where they're at, they don't have to stay. Because Sister Gail, just like you, Preach to me, say, you don't, you're not going to be here all the time. You don't have a death sentence on your life. Where you're at right now is, is not the definition of who you are. I said, where you're at right now does not define who you are. But, Brother Paul, it's bad. Have you looked at my concocted, messed up, drug addicted family. God said they. They're the ones he wants. For heaven's sakes, don't forget that. He didn't forget you. He said, Mark, when he was lost and addicted, to drugs, he shall build it. Don't forget about those people. That's the heart of God. 
I said, that's the heart of God. But you don't know what they did. You're still in verse 3, 4, and they, and they shall be one. God wants to anoint them. God wants them. I'm going to sing this song. And as I sing this song, I want you to understand the, the, the true meaning of this song. Of how deep his love is. See, your love isn't as deep as God's love. He just said, tell them. I'm going to give you the best advice you've ever had. Let God clean them up. Keep your mouth shut. Let God clean them up. Let him minister. He'll, he'll do more in five minutes than you can scream. I heard one lady say, God can whisper louder than you can scream. Let him do it. That young girl that's not living right. There was a girl in our county. And I'd went to their church to preach, and I'm getting ready to close. Come from a good Christian home. Her mom and dad are great upstanding people in the community, and this happened years ago. People thought a lot of them, and this girl made a mistake, and she got pregnant by one mistake and got pregnant by this guy. And her mama called me and she was tore all to pieces because the church dropped the ball and turned their back on her and shunned her and began to tell her how awful she was and how bad she was. And she was calling completely when she needed the church the most. They turned their back on her. I went to this young girl. And I said, I don't care where you at. God still loves you. And I said, young lady, I know that you're scared. I know that you're hurting. And I know you don't know what's going on. But I know you made a mistake. But God forgives you if you want him to forgive you. And God loves you. And he's going to take this and do something great. God loves you. Hold your head up. I can prove it to you in the Word. Don't miss the heart of God. Pastor's been preaching on grace. I wanted to expand on that a little bit this morning. Don't miss the heart of God. Let God clean them up. Show a little grace. Because ain't none of you been perfect. Perfect.